0: The Anton Savage Show on News Talk. We are joined by uh, John Lee and Lauren Boland. Uh, John Lee, executive editor of DMG Media Ireland, Lauren Boland, reporter with uh, The Journal, to look at all of the news this weekend. And there is some interesting stuff relating to e scooters. There's uh, a very interesting interview with Helen McEntee talking about what she sees or experience as sexism on her return back from maternity leave, because she said that uh, other politicians suggested that she had effectively used her maternity leave as a way to dodge political bullets. And there is the world's tiniest handbag. All of that is as nothing compared to RTE, which continues to rumble on. The latest, we will look back at the week that there has been, but the latest part of it, uh, Lauren, is the Irish, I think it's the Irish Independent doing a breakdown of who within RTE gets cars from car companies?
1: Yes, and now this isn't this isn't cars through their RTE contracts, which is an important distinction. It is that they're external commercial sponsors, but there's actually a large number of them, and a lot of them with NK, NK Management, which is the same agency that Brian uh, Tuberty is with, um, as we've heard all about this week. Um, so that the piece goes into kind of you know all their Instagram posts advertising these cars over the last number of years. Um, and it's very interesting, you know, some of them for kind of quite, you know, astonishing, like, figures, amounts of money. Um, it's interesting, even from, if, if I can bang the climate drum for a minute, it's interesting, you know, kind of, when we think about well, what are these kind of big names advertising, is it right, you know, that kind of car companies are getting such a, um, a front face
0: some of them, them must be electric, though, are they?
1: Well, I think one or two of them are, but even still, you know that electric cars don't solve traffic in the morning. <laughs> um, so, so that's the situation there. And I think I think it's 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 sort of the start of pulling a thread, isn't it? I don't think anybody's going to get um, or, or, or go, is going to avoid a second look. At any of these kind of sponsorships anymore?
0: Now, I don't, I don't mean to to miss the moral and ethical side of this and go straight to the money, but I shall. My understanding was, though, that part of the reason why there was less and less of this, particularly with sports cars, was be, uh, with sports stars, was because the person in receipt of the car is liable for the benefit and kind. So you end up it ends up costing you a fortune to take a car for free because you have to pay the BIK. You both give me the look that says no. No one in this room is an accountant, so let's move on. No, no. <laughs> I, 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 I was.
2: I, I. What What has happened is the 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 curtain has been um has exposed Oz here, and now everything is coming out. So, I suppose some of us in the working in the media, and we do work in the media, I, I aren't surprised by an awful lot an awful lot of what has happened here. But you the other day on Thursday, I think after the PAC, Anton summed up some of the, um, the, the revelations there very quickly. That was one day, now we're on Saturday, now there's a whole lot of revelations which may seem shocking about the cars um, certain stars receive, but the macro issue still stands, that stars receiving cars and the possible um, tax implications for that are part of, a, are a small part of what we see the massive disconnect between public service broadcasting and the commercial sector that is there in r t e and <clears throat> the next step we're going to see in the, or the next steps we're going to see in the next couple of couple of weeks is the decoupling of those two um those two side by side existing operations, which is the grossly inflated uh, commercial wing of of what was supposed to be a public sector broadcaster taken away and cars, everything else, I think, are going to be a thing of the past. Um, it, it, it's extraordinary because I think, as you said, and, and you shouldn't use your best lines off air, you know, it's, it's, it's a combination of people we know very well people every, every home knows very well, every person in Ireland knows very well that have now moved into the political sphere and politicians are left struggling as to how they're going to deal with this. Um, Cars today, last week it was um, salaries of unknown executives. Before that it was one really, if you think about it, small disclosure about Ryan Tuberty's Secret pay, that's what it that's what it is, has triggered all of this. Where does it end? Uh, read tomorrow's mail. I think we'll be describing what the government um, intends to do over the next year or so when it comes to RTL.
0: Well, without wishing to um, use your best lines ahead of the day of your publication, I assume a core part of what the government intends to do is back to drawing board and a complete reconstituting of much of the board and management, is it?
2: I, 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 like there have been precedents in the past. I can't. Uh, this, uh, this, uh, this is me speaking now. Um, I, I can't see how anyone in a senior position in RTE over the next year or so survives. We have a new DG coming in next week, and I suppose everyone's kind of waiting for um, the, the the ghost that has not been at the banquet thus far uh, to come in and tell us what's going to happen. But firstly, a an organization that claims to provide a public sector. Um, service in Ireland, a public service um, service in Ireland, cannot continue with what we see is rampant um, commercialism, and that's going to have to be dealt well, that, with. That's, the that's current hard. The current board, from their appearances at um, the executive board at the PAC last week, don't see a problem with any of that. Therefore, in my eyes, and speaking to senior people in government they can't continue in the long now, term.
0: that goes to the very heart of RTE, Lauren, and is a huge threat to the organisation because if you look at the BBC, there is a tendency for us to think they have uh, have matching funding models, but they don't. The BBC is entirely licensed payer funded and it then has a commercial wing that does things like sell magazines. So they have the Top Gear brand as Case in Point with cars on the TV, but the magazine is a commercial entity and they sell advertising and they do everything else on that side. RTE is different. RTE has always had the two revenue streams of licence fee and advertising side by side because the long Belief has been they can't make ends meet in a small market of only five million people just off the license fee. So what happens if they separate out commercial?
1: And what I think is really disappointing about all of this is that we we should we deserve to have a really excellent public broadcaster. And the value of a public broadcaster is that it should be able to do things that a privately operated station can't. Maybe in terms of you know producing programs that are of national interest that maybe aren't, you know, massive profit makers or, um, you know, necessarily the most scandalous or the most glamorous, but are things that are really, you know, kind of specifically Irish and that have, you know, an important kind of important something to say. And in all of this, that's what's getting lost. Um, and I think that that difference between RTE and, and the BBC is that the BBC, you know, it, it does kind of bring something, unique for the people who are viewing it and that then gives them the power to have that commercial wing that's doing these other things and is making, you know, bringing in an income stream um, in that area. Whereas here in RTE, because maybe there isn't... um maybe maybe enough ambition as people might have liked there isn't then a sort of a loyalty to it in the way that then you can generate this income stream in this in this other area if you, if you sort of follow my train of thought there um and uh, but but definitely this is that 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 whole conversation around the 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 the, the public you know funding versus the commercial arm um is something that that's not been put to bed yet i mean you know the Taoiseach was speaking quite strongly on that during the week to reporters in brussels to you know giving his view that he 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 expects they should be separated in the well, future. Even
0: some of that separation of powers and and, and the, the funding of, of public service broadcasting, there's sort of a sense that once you put the brand RTE on it, it's public service broadcasting. But the vast bulk of the output is mimicked in Virgin Media on television terms and mimicked in um, uh, radio broadcasting terms in, in News Talk and Today FM. And what's happened over recent years, um, John, has been a shift of some responsibilities from RTE. RTE used to have the RTE Authority, which was responsible for setting broadcasting guidelines and ethics. All of that responsibility was removed from the organisation and handed to the Broadcasting Authority of Ireland. Likewise, it had the responsibility for the deployment of the license fee in programming. Large chunks of that was handed to the BAI. So other organizations, Virgin Media, can go to the BAI and say, look, we would like funding to do a documentary on puffins on Inish and the BAI will cough it up. So do we need it to all travel through one single broadcaster anymore? Or are we looking at the appalling vista from RTE's perspective of them saying, no, we'll centrally fund every broadcaster to do public service broadcasting, and your monopoly is no more?
2: That's probably where we're going. I, you know, I, I, whats whats What is what is what we've seen over the last ten days is an organisation that have been given licence to operate commercially and have not managed it. Um, you know, we've almost become used to it in the last week or so. That there is a, an acceptance that, and st- I think it started with Kieran Mululi, a for a former star, saying that there is no business plan that supports the the wages that their top stars are given. And when you work your way away away from that there isn't really a commercial plan behind any of it. Clearly then the organisation is not capable of of managing that. Clearly it then has to be taken off them. And then we come ultimately to a pared down public service uh, broadcaster Somewhat similar. I'm not I'm not wholly familiar
0: with how they operate, but let say PBS in the United States, which now, is the not only threat with that is Joe Duffy has long made a point where he says, if you take what Joe Duffy did in relation to something like cystic fibrosis, one of the things he'll say is real change was made as a function of lifeline. And just objectively that is true. Now his argument is he can't bring about the heft to create change in policy terms if he doesn't have an audience that comes for entertainment day in, day out. If he doesn't have 350,000 listeners, he can make no difference. He's just tilting at worthy windmills. So that's the PBS problem though, isn't it? And what's the point in having a public service broadcaster that nobody listens to? The journalism, um, much as it's derided
2: um, and I com- uh, conversations with politicians during the week that were deriding um, commercial um, journalism, journalism will always exist it It doesn't need to be state funded and i'm i'm frankly um wary of state funding for journalism uh in, in the long term anyway I don't think it works that way and i and that's another whole discussion and I'm not going saying that r t e hasn't provided a service when it comes to journalism, but we have come to that vista now on so many things we have come to the juncture where we have to make an awful lot of decisions about how journalism operates in the future and to say that somehow journalism and the media and the journalism's willingness to speak to power will be will be denuded or or, are 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 power taken away from it to pursue what it does if RTE disappears as a public service broadcaster. Accepted, but we've
0: seen what happens in the States when you've got an unregulated, highly capitalist media, the kind of binary state, like that it has raced to either ends of the spectrum to the detriment of the American discourse and American politics.
2: Absolutely, but you know, for the state then to say, right, we're going to fund a public broadcaster to do investigative journalism. Where is the investigative journalism Across the board, probably in Ireland, on how RTE has been condu- conducting itself commercially. So, w- were they going to do that? I am somehow doubtful that the, that the organisation has has proven itself to be very able when it comes to investigative journalism. The, thus far, the question, of course, and is... and then just finally, since say two thousand and ten, the whole media landscape has changed, and it's not about television, and it's not about radio. It's not about newspapers, unfortunately. Social media, the internet and online uh, journalism is taking over. And then we have to question... Well, i all depressed, John. <laughs> well, no, but, you know, and radio, as you know, is, doing as well, is probably doing as well as it ever did. Thanks, now but, you're but, but again, for us to rely on a public, publicly funded um, model to do all that in, in the new internet landscape, I think, is, 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 a, is a bit naive. And, Te- it, and it's proven that it doesn't work. In the text last asking
0: week. how much of RTE or what RTE does is public service oriented. They are relevant these days, really. Uh, I mean, I think we tend to think of, of public service as being to do with exclusively current affairs and to do with journalism. But if you look at some of the nature programming, if you look at some of the arts programming, there is significant range of programming that is public service. As it has to be said, there is in other broadcasters, including ourselves. How much danger uh, are they uh, is there of these top stars being poached by other channels? Well, Ronan Mullen is causing is calling for a cap on salaries. So we'll ask him that question in a couple of minutes. Um, John is right about the commercialisation of RTE, which is so far away from the editorial remit, but the lines seem to have become so blurred. Well, the model itself is intrinsically blurred because it is one-half commercial and one-half um, state, or rather, licence fee funded. Question, of course, Lauren, is where all of this is going to go. During the week, I was speaking to the chair of the Public Accounts Committee and he said, I thought it was fairly um, striking, but he seems to believe that he can do it. He says that if Noel Kelly and Ryan Tupperty don't come in in front of the committee, he's going to force them to come in.
2: We're going to seek that compelability. Now, can I just qualify that? I've, I've spoken to the civil servants today about this, right? And uh, it, it, it appears that we have the power to compel outside people to come, right? Obviously, legal people on each side will look at this, uh and question it obviously if you don't want to come uh you, you would be running by your solicitor to get their take on it but uh, from what appears from what we have we're in new territory here by the way this is a very very unusual event that's but
0: a, if i understand uh, it then effectively what you're saying Brian sandy is that you will compel them and the only way that they will avoid an appearance at the committee is if they manage to find a legal way to fight their way out of it
2: yes that's
0: that's that's the intention that's my intention I'm talking with John Lee, uh, Executive Editor of DMG Ireland and Lauren Bolan, reporter with the Journal. Lauren, it's very unusual to hear a uh, Chair of the Public Accounts Committee say he's going to force the attendance of two private citizens, but that's what he's saying.
1: And indeed, I think people might be wondering if, if that's a power that the committee has, why maybe it hasn't been employed in the past on some matters. I think what's interesting on the question of whether Ryan Doberty would be called to come in or not is actually there is quite a division in public opinion on that. Some people seem to be of the opinion that no, this is Ortiz's fault, it's the accounts, you know, the the executive... Um, he, you know, he's just an unwitting participant and, and let's, you know, not let the focus be distracted from maybe, you know, where, where the responsibility lies. But then other people probably have the view that, well, it's a fact-finding mission, surely, this committee. And, you know, perhaps Brian Tuberty and, you know, certainly his agent can shed some more light on these facts. So why not bring them in?
0: Can you imagine the process if they do bring them in? I mean, you talk about the confluence of two worlds, politics and and celebrity overlapping. Noel Kelly, Ryan Tuberty, and the Public Accounts Committee. It had rate better than the toy show.
2: Yeah, and Ryan Ryan Tuberty, um isn't wholly disconnected from politics. He understands how it works. He's 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 from Fianna Fáil royalty. Um, uh, he, he, let's not forget, he, and he was spec- being speculated on only a few months ago as a po- possible presidential candidate. He, the difficulty Ryan Tuberty has is yes, I I. Ultimately believe with the PAC, if a private citizen re- rejects the opportunity to come in, it's going to be very difficult to compel them no matter what, bar through the courts. But if you're Ryan Tuberty and you're reliant on affection and public affection, as he has been and, and, and rightly has, has has deserved it, I guess, um, how can you reject? And that'll be his difficulty if he wants to continue in media in Ireland and in RTE, and and he has a right to do that. Um, he, he will have to appear and, that, and, and that's going to be a problem for him um, and the decision may be left to him
0: then that he doesn't want to continue in that sphere and he doesn't go It must be an awful experience that Ryan has gone through over the past couple of days just on a human level regardless of the merits of the, the underlying um, case it cannot be an enjoyable situation and I think he's like a he universally
2: admired man in the media you know. I, I, but unfortunately he has found himself here
0: Wanted to move on to another issue, which is this um interview in the Irish Times, I think it is Jennifer Bray, the political correspondent, interviewing um Helen McEntee, the returning justice minister coming back from her maternity leave. And Lauren Bowen, she she describes a reaction from some of her political um colleagues that we would have thought went out with the flood. She said one colleague muttered privately in political circles that she had engineered a political masterstroke by being away from many raging fires in the Department of Justice.
1: It's really staggering that, isn't it? And I mean, first of all, the assertion that somebody could have the foresight, you know, a year plus in advance in terms of planning a pregnancy to somehow be clairvoyant and to, you know, envision what would be coming down the line that far ahead. Um, I thought one thing that was really striking in that interview as well is that the, so the piece mentions a comment um, that, that was made in a magazine apparently that, you know, Helen McEntee, quote, has babies while uh, Simon Harris, who stood in for her portfolio while she was on maternity leave, quote, gets things done. Now, not only is that, you know, absolutely atrocious in terms of, you know, women's rights to go on maternity leave, but it also puts this really terrible expectation on men as well, that men need right, to be the one to... Correct, Simon Harris also has babies. Exactly, that they need to be the one to go in and get things done. Should men also also be entitled to, you know, have time with their family, you know, when babies are, are, are born and, you know, just generally overall? it's It's just really outdated, isn't it? And I mean, it's shocking that, you know, it's kind of something that, you know, people are... Are confident enough to actually express publicly that somebody would, would go out and actually say these things. It's remarkable.
0: Although the time I assume at which we know we have the equality in relation to parental leave cracked is not when female ministers take maternity leave. It's when we see the first male minister take a decent paternity leave the way Helen McEntee has done.
2: Well, and, I, and I'm, I'm yet to see it and Simon Harris is not known for his... Um, uh, uh, tendency to take much time off I, I um and i know he's a good father too i would i would not remember any discussions in Leinster house and i'm there a lot of the week where this came up with me um my my wife works in politics and she has had um two children while she's been there as well and and i didn't really see her get much uh, get, get much maternity leave um helen McEntee has done that but she has said in the justice portfolio she's not really avoiding um, many um, pitfalls because there are so many there it, 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 it she doesn't feel for for instance that she has somehow avoided work um by by being on maternity leave she has a plenty of time to continue at it i think it's admirable that she has actually confronted these things because um She's been made aware of them. It would have been easy just to ignore them and say, you know, this, the, no one has had the nerve to put their name to these things. And she has confronted it. And she's done a service, I think, uh, in confronting sexism in this, in this fashion. And I still think she'll forge ahead and has a very, very good chance of being the next leader of Inigale.
0: Let's finish up with the. So, oh, do you?
2: you, you Pardon? You'd better. Absolutely. I, I think absolutely she does. She's been a, she's been a, a formidable minister in her time. Um, she has taken that move where she has taken her de- uh, uh, deserved leave. Probably if she was paranoid about her political career, she, she might not have taken what she was due um, through health and through respect for her children. And she has done that. Of course she's a great chance of being the next leader of Fine Gael, which is probably due a female leader.
0: Let's look then at the the really important story of the weekend. The handbag that is smaller than a grain of salt. Not making this up. It is literally smaller than a grain of salt uh, that is yours for the bargain price of $63,000 because that's what it's sold for. John, are you salivating over the prospect of maybe someday being able to own a teeny tiny handbag?
2: I'm just, I'm I'm conscious Sonia Lennon was on beforehand so I'm trying to act trendy and pretend not to be um, a bit um, shocked and cynical about it but hey, you know, I have to pretend that it's a good thing
0: it, it comes it's with it's a microscope it's Lauren it's how
2: can you not city. want a handbag that
0: comes with a microscope I know and
1: do you know what so the, the artistic explanation that's kind of given here is, is I think this is from the brand that as a once functional object like a handbag becomes smaller and smaller its object status becomes steadily more abstracted until it is purely a brand signifier and I think in that context it actually makes it even funnier that somebody would spend 63000 on this it's kind of an ironic thing in that, in that context
0: Well if you want to see a picture of it it is page 17 of the Irish End of the World. Tiniest handbag. John Lee, executive uh, editor of DMG Media Ireland, and Lauren Bone, reporter with The Journal. Thank you both very much. The Anton Savage Show, Saturday morning at 9 on News Talk.